Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. We're currently in our series, Venus and Mars. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Um, it's a great privilege for Ainsley and I to be here today. And um, yeah, it's just awesome to be here at Oxford Falls. Uh, we've been married 23 years and we have uh, three kids, um, two girls and a boy, aged 21, 19 and 17. And um, we currently, as uh, Pastor Mark said, we look after the young marrieds and the young families. And as of next year, we'll take on um, a new demographic that we're creating called teen families. So if anyone's got teenage children. Our passion is to see people do life well, but to do it godly and to be blessed and mighty. Because our life is uh, right now, as I said last night, it couldn't be any better. Well, yeah, okay, God's great. Could be better. But we're pretty happy with how things are going. We, you know, my job's going well. Ainsley's job's going well. We're just being blessed and favour is upon us amazingly. And uh, you sit there and you, you pinch yourself some days and go, is this really happening, this, this, uh, this journey that we're currently on and uh, with Christ? And, uh, you know, it's amazing. You just sit there and sometimes you're just baffled by what's happening and the, and the blessing that's coming upon us. We've got three amazing children. We're so happy with how they are, mighty warriors for Christ. They're doing their own, getting into their own uh, ministry now. Our oldest daughter will be, is looking after young, adult, uh, sorry, young kids at our church and, and, the, and, and the next one's doing Bible college and she's just going to, she wants to take on the world, so is the young fella. And it's just awesome. But the question is for me is, why wasn't it always awesome? Because it wasn't always. Ainsley and I, we, got, we grew up in a church, not the church we're currently in, but a different demographic, sorry, a different denomination, and it was very fundamental in its in its understanding of the scriptures, and it was very judgmental. The grace of God was just do the right thing, or else you're punished. And so we grew up in this in very um, restrictive environment that we grew up in, where marriages had to be uh, good. No one had a bad marriage, even if it was bad. Everyone thought your marriage was great, and everything you did had to be perfect. You couldn't be real to anybody. You could never go and seek help from the church, but then you couldn't actually go out and um, seek help from anybody else because that was seen as getting man's wisdom. And so really you did it yourself. And so what happened was we grew up in that environment and, uh, you know, we got married and, um, you know, I'm a blessed man, as you can see. And, um, and when you hear us speak, you'll even see why I'm more blessed. But the thing was... Um, when we grew up, Ainsley and I grew up in two different households. I grew up in a minister's house, uh, pastor's kid, and uh, very, very much the church looked down on the pastor's kids. We had to be twice as good as anybody else. And, um, and I, always, I was saying to Pastor Mark last night that um, I used to say to people, if I, if I did the wrong thing with a girl, I didn't fear God, I feared my dad. Because I knew God would forgive me. And that's the sort of environment you grew up in, you see. But the thing is, after 15 years of marriage, living in a lifestyle where man was the head of the house, the wife remained silent, kids were seen and not heard, you could just imagine how marriage goes for that. And it was in October 2004, I said to Ainsley, she came home one day, and I just asked her this question. I said, when I walk through the door, does your heart still leap for me? I didn't get the answer I expected. And... Um, all of a sudden, it was like a tidal wave of resentment had just came flooding through our house. And what had happened was I, I used to have a bit of a temper problem. Uh, 
I was like a volcano. I'd, I'd be all right for about three or four months. All the pressures of life would build up and then I would just verbally go into a rage. This would last for about 10, 15 minutes. So I'd feel good at the end of it. It was like a total release of uh, all that frustration that was in me. But I didn't realise what I was actually doing to my family, but, you know, my wife and my children. And what I was reflecting, here I am, a good Christian bloke, but just going into these rages. But the problem was when AZ answered the question and she started talking to me about what her life, what, my, what I'd been doing to her in her life, I never really understood it because what we do when we get to a crisis, we latch on to what we anchor to. You see, if we anchor to certain ideologies or, or philosophies or whatever, that's what's going to come through. And, and whatever baggage we've got or whatever upbringing we have, that's what we anchor to. So my immediate reaction was, well, you need to forgive. Why aren't you forgiving me? She goes, I can't forgive you. I said, look, 99% of the time, am I not good? It's only 1% of the time I'm bad. So you need to forgive. You need to sort yourself out. You can see how that went. It didn't go down too good. And for the next four months, we spiralled out of control. And um, so obviously a lot of thought, soul searching was done by Ainsley and she realised that, uh, you know, things were not good with us and, you know, I'm here trying to save my marriage and, and you know, clutching at straws and, you know, I'd go and read stuff and then I'd preach it to her, you know, because she had the problem, not me. It was on the 7th of February 2005, though, when I came home from a run and Ainsley had decided that she wanted out and she wanted to move out of the house. And uh, so I called out to Christ. I grew up in a church where we actually worshipped God and the Holy Spirit and Christ was just uh, an add-on, really. It's phenomenal, isn't it? But this is the first time I really called out to Christ, not using the Holy Spirit and not worshipping God. And I called out to Christ and I got such an empowered revelation of who Jesus was that it changed my life. I'd been a Christian since 90, I was baptised in the Holy Spirit in 1973. But in 2005, it was when I got the most amazing revelation of Jesus and it changed my life. changed how I saw things. It changed how I dealt with things. And so I didn't actually need to read anymore about man's philosophy and sort Nainsley out. I had to change myself. And so the, there was a five truths that we're going to talk about today. Um, the first one is, in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, Beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. This became my scripture from that day. It's the thing that God, Christ, implanted into my heart, and it became my scripture. Before that, I had a scripture which was... Uh, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We had it on the toilet door, you know, we used to preach it. But I wasn't living it. I was saying it, but I wasn't living it. And what I, the first revelation I got that day was, put aside your idols and worship only me. John Kelvin says that the human heart is a factory of idols. Because our DNA of humanity is that we must worship something. So it's not if I worship, it's what do I worship? And I realised I had a bunch of idols. One of them was my identity. I needed to have people like me. I needed to be successful. I needed to be perfect. I needed to be the best. I couldn't settle for mediocrity. I couldn't settle for just being nice. I had to be above everybody. And that drove me. I, I got myself into a funeral home because that was what I saw was being successful. 
and it became my idol. I asked God to bless it, and he didn't bless it. And I, I said, God, where are you? You've left me, you let me down because you said you would always be faithful to me. But the revelation I got that day was that when I take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing in my life, God can't bless it. Because as soon as he blesses my idol, he supports idolatry. And that was the revelation I got, and it changed my life. It changed the way I saw things, that if I don't have Christ as the center of my life, then at the end of the day, he's not going to be able to bless the things that are good in my life because I've made them the ultimate thing. So I went through and I did, a, I did an audit and I sorted myself out, removed my idols. <clears throat> the next thing I had to look at was how my words were used, the intent of my words. Because up until now, I used to be able to say, talk to Ainsley and, and I would spit venom. I was pretty good at that. And it was always in judgment and it was very critical. It was never to build or to restore or to encourage. It was always designed just make me feel that I was right. I was the man of the house. Sort yourself out. When I got that revelation of Jesus, I had to watch my words because you know the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me? It's a falsehood because you'll heal from broken bones but some words will kill you. Words don't kill you physically but they will limit you. They will hold you down. Christ has a plan and a destiny for each one of us. But it's up to us to decide if we're going to reach it. All of us are great evangelists. All of us are great teachers. All of us are great preachers. All of us are ambassadors of Christ. But what limits us from doing that? The words that we speak about ourselves, the words that we take in. And I realised that I had to speak into Ainsley's life and to my kids' lives. My young fella, and that, they, they just saw my anger... And, you know, what, a father, what, a, what walks in a father runs in his family. And I could see that eight years ago, if I had stayed the way I was, today I don't believe my children would be where they are today. Because we used to go to church because we had to. Now we come to church because we love it. You know, to us, the house of God is the place to be. We're there all the time, not because we have to be there, because we want to be there. And that's the biggest difference and the biggest change. And my kids just love church. Because we have reflected why church is important and the words that we use and the words that we speak over their lives. And so when I looked at my life and I said I needed to mind my words, I also needed to look at why I did things the way I did. And the next truth that we had was what baggage do I have and I've got to get rid of it. So get rid of your baggage. I looked at the issues of my life and the things that date back to when I was a a young fella and... um, when we, we look after families, and <coughs> a lot of these families, you can talk to the issues of their marriage, and it's amazing how many go back to their childhood. The things that happened when they were kids, the way they were raised, what happened as a teenager, and what's happened since they got married. And it's amazing the baggage that limits their relationship and the blessing of their relationship. And I realised what I was doing with Ainsley was I was grabbing my anger, my frustrations, and all my uh, stuff, and I was throwing it onto her, and saying, yeah, cop that. What it was, was my baggage was limiting the blessing of our marriage, limiting our effect on our children. And once I started getting rid of the baggage and why I dealt with things the way I did, it was awesome because I could release myself. And I would speak into Ainsley's life. I would speak into my kids' life. And they now speak into other people's lives. And we continue to speak in other people's lives. And it's the impact that you have, not just on your, your wife, not just on your children, 
but to the greater community, your work colleagues, the environment that you live in. You reflect Christ the way Christ wants to be reflected. Because the one thing I really realised back then was Christ doesn't walk on this earth anymore. He needs us to be the reflector of him. And if we're not doing that, we're not living the way Christ wants us to live. And we can't do that if we have the, you know, there's that scripture that says in closing, for my part anyway, um, we are compassed by such a great cloud of witness. Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And that weight is our baggage. Think about why you do things. And is it something you need to let go? Is it the day-to-day to leave it at the altar and to leave it at the cross and give it to Christ once and for all so that you can be free of that baggage? Choose your words carefully and choose them with love and don't worship your idols. So Peter had that massive revelation with Christ. However, I wasn't part of that. And I didn't, I thought that he was just coming from another tactic of trying to uh, win me back. Um, Unfortunately, I was so full of, um, Peter explains that I opened up in resentment. You see, I prayed a prayer sitting in the car that night before I went inside. And I said, God, I want a marriage that is amazing. But I have hidden so much resentment in my heart for so long. I need you to save me. And I walked in and within about half an hour, Peter asked me that question. And it gave me the opportunity to voice my opinion. You see, up until then, I'd had a lot of baggage of my own. As before I even met Peter, I was at the hand of predators. I knew very early and very young not to have a voice. Having a voice was way too dangerous. And so I never told a soul. But what I endured was hell on earth. So then later on, when I became a teenager, still not having a voice, I decided the only way that I could solve this issue was to meet my maker because God was there with me the whole time and so then unfortunately I chose the path of anorexia and I nearly died so ball patch purple nails and well and surely under 40 kilos praise God though Peter sent me Peter and Peter was the first person that I actually spoke to with these issues and he walked the journey through with me and we got married and he was my prince charming and he was the strong warrior that I had prayed for to God but I did not deal with any of the stuff that was inside I had that many boxes inside of me and so I just got really good at not saying things when the times got bad and so when they got bad I would just be the ever, okay, darling, what can I do? What can I do that would make it better? But you see, children see this. As your children get older, they see this. And I knew as my children were getting older that they could see it. And I knew and I could see that when Peter, who was a good father, who was a good husband, but in those moments that it, 
arrested our family, I could see in our children that they didn't have a voice and I could see anger spurring in my son. Praise God that this happened. Praise God Peter asked me that question. Because although for the following months I went into a spiral of depression and although I felt that all of a sudden I couldn't hear my maker's voice anymore, I discovered the day that I was leaving Peter and the day I was standing in Big W that my maker had been there the whole time. I was collecting everything for the apartment that I was moving into and God sent a message straight to my heart and he said, if you leave inside, you will die. And he knew, he knew that this was the one I was destined to be with. But I could not see logically at all. I had gone into a place of darkness. But you know, no matter what darkness, no matter what darkness surrounds circumstances, our maker is there. And he spoke directly to my heart and instantly I'm a blithering mess in, in, um, in the shop and I was bawling my eyes out. You see, the thing is, the truth that I subscribed to at that time was you are not defined by your circumstances. Even though the situation looked horrendous, even though people around us said, oh my goodness, you will never recover from this, we started listening to our God. Peter had already been listening to God. He had been speaking promises over me. He had been speaking words of affirmation, words of belief, but then I just started to listen because God had positioned Peter before me. He had softened his heart. He had revealed himself to Peter, but now I was hearing God in a whole new way. I was seeing my Jesus in my circumstance. And see, this is how we parent. You see, we teach our children that you find God in those moments. Don't think you're ever alone. When you walk out, I mean, I'm a very protective mother, but I have learned that my protection is with my God and he has his hand with my children. Wherever they go, no matter what they do, that their maker is with them, that they have this truth to share with people in the community. That when they came home when they were younger, after this situation, I could say to them, your God is with you. So if you see the hand of bullying coming your way, pray for those people. Pray for those people. Position yourself to see and hear your maker in your school. You see, the thing is, is that this was a transformation. If we look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed and renewed by your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conformed is to correspond in character, form of character, and be similar. Whereas transformed is to change markedly the appearance or form of. God did a renewing in our family, not just in our relationship, but in how we parented, in how we actually spoke to our children. We don't speak daggers into their heart. We guard their heart. We speak belief into them. If they've done something wrong, then we identify that, but then we empower them with how do you do it. When they've crossed the wrong boundary, so for instance, even when we are helping families or when I'm teaching in a state school, 
you know, and they've gone the wrong direction, I often will pull a child aside and I say, you are an awesome boy. You are brilliant. You have gone down this path and look how many people are following you. You're an amazing leader, but you are leading the wrong way. I believe in you that you can lead the right way. Look at everyone following you. You are amazing. And I speak the giftings into them because they have the giftings. We are all born with giftings. But all too often we stand in a society that says you can't, you shouldn't, you won't. You see, this is the power of it. The power of our maker, the power of our Christ that we stand in his truth. The final truth that was revealed to Peter and I is to be the real deal, to be transparent, to be authentic. Now, Peter explained we came from a a denomination that did not instill that. But I tell you this, it did instill coming to church. It did instill that church is the place to be. It did instill that we need to get around pastors. It did instill disciplines within us. And so when we went to the new denomination, it was a refuge. It was a place where we came to be empowered. And I tell you, if there is nothing else, I may not have been able to hear my maker for a couple of months, but I sure knew I had to be in the house of God. I knew my children need to be positioned in the house of God. There is not a time, there is not a time when this does not happen. Our children, I I visualize, I visualize in the auditorium, our children's children taking up all the rows, our children's children's children, and not just if you don't have children, but who has God put under you to speak into? I tell you, we have a lot of adopted children, spiritually, a lot. Every Monday night, we have 20 young adults coming to our house for dinner. It is a crazy experience, and we love it. And we do relationship because we're not all about the, hi, how are you going? See you later. We're about how you're going. How are you really going? Let the Holy Spirit talk. Let the Holy Spirit give us insight. And this is how we parent. I'll often say to God, I'll say, just give me insight, Father. Give me insight into my family. What do I need to work on? I often fast about it to this day. And God will say to me, just a word, a word of knowledge. And I'll just go straight into the room, into my children's room, and I'll just say, is this what's going on? Because I want to pray with you. You know, that word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our guider. He's the one that speaks truth to us. So we have a voice. We have a voice, and it's a voice of God. It's a voice of truth and the word of life. In closing, there's a scripture, Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen their cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. What a vision for the future. I challenge you, raise your vision, raise your eyes to see how Christ sees this world, how it can be, how our families can go from generation to generation in the house of God. I know you run amazing marriage and parenting courses here. Get involved with them. If you don't need them, be empowered by them to help others. The community needs help. 
that we've got you've got your women's conference well i can't tell you those women conferences that i went to how much they imparted the sort of truth straight into my heart and it helped me to go to the next level it helped me how do i be a mum how do i be a wife and how do i find my relationship with christ even more so than i have this is the blessing connect groups doing relationship sharing parenting being together united that is the blessing that we have when we come to church that is the blessing when we stand in christ i'd just like to pray a prayer with you if you'd like to stand we are going to pray at the commencement of the service with anyone any family that would like to be prayed for we are passionate about praying with people father I just thank you. Thank you for the hearts that are here right now, mighty Jesus. I just pray for restoration and healing over every individual in this church, mighty Lord. That your face will be right with them, mighty Lord. That your hand is right upon them. That you are a healing God. You are a God of provision. You are their God. And Father, I just pray for the generations after generations after generations that they are steadfast in your way, mighty Jesus. That there is a blessing and a favour, mighty Father, over all the generations. That there is fire that lights up in everyone here, mighty Jesus, bigger than it ever has been. And Heavenly Father, we just ask that the destiny that you have for each one of us is something that we are just driven for. You've got a purpose in each and one of us to change this world for Christ. That you have each one of us reflect Jesus Christ to our world. That we be a shining example of what a Christian home is like, what a Christian person is like, so that we can take the lost and bring them to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. Release the baggage and change the words. Remove the idols of our lives so that we are free and limitless, that we are able to achieve the destiny that you have designed for all of us, that we can be not just people who come to church and need restoration, but we can be restored, blessed, and divinely, uh, divinely sent to change our world for you. We pray this in your most holy name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.